We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. The hottest next tape you'll find online. Knicks all day. We bleed blue and orange. This is Knicks Fan TV, your one-stop shop for the ultimate New York Knicks fan experience. News, rumors, debates, post-game live streams featuring live callers. Let's go Knicks, baby! And now, your host, CP, the NY Fanatic. Yo, what's good, Knicks Nation? Al Terrace here, a.k.a. the Tratacaster on the check-in for this week's matchup between the New York Knicks and the Philadelphia 76ers. This is the Game of the Week preview. And with me today to help me break down this game is none other than Dave Early. But before we ask Dave how he's doing, make sure to hit that thumbs-up button for your boys. Make sure to subscribe to all uh, podcasts, wherever you get your podcast platform, on Apple, Spotify, whatever. And make sure to share these videos and this content to help us out. But Dave, how are you doing, man? How are you feeling today? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. I mean, the Sixers lost, um, but still hanging in there. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. You know, the Knicks lost today, too. So we're, we're both yeah, on the I same page. Sixers lost. Knicks <laughs> lost. We lost to the Atlanta Hawks. So who'd you guys play? The, the Wizards, right? You played the Wizards today? Yeah, Washington. Oh, man. You guys were on a nice no three-game winning streak. No Melton. That's right. Mm, mm, tough, man. That's tough. But let's get into let's get into this uh, Sixers preview, man. And, and I got a few questions before we really get into it. You know, we we got the Adrian Wojnarowski report that the 76ers were losing their two second rounders from the 2023 and 2024 for the early discussions with PJ Tucker and Daniel House Jr. How do you feel about that, man? How how's the fan base feel about that? I think they feel the way any any fan base who gets hit with one of these feels like, why this team? Like, everyone knows that every team does this. Why? How do you just pick one? Was one more blatant than the other? Mm-hmm. Is that because, like, an, an agent leaked to the media? So it feels pretty arbitrary. I mean, 
we were talking about Jalen Brunson to the Knicks. I know they're looking into that issue, right? Like right. someone's dad was hired, someone's son at one point represented someone. So like that type of thing maybe raises eyebrows as did the James Harden, like 13, $14 million pay cut that raises eyebrows. So if you look into that, I'm less surprised, but to look into like, we contacted PJ Tucker a couple of weeks ago. That just seems weird. Cause that, mm-hmm. I mean, when you watch those, if, if free agency opens at 6 PM, we see 20 of these updates drop between six and six Oh seven. Right. Right. We're, we're not assuming they're all hashed out in those five minutes. So how do the NBA decides who and when to punish? I really don't get. Yeah. It's very strange, man. And you know, you know, as you mentioned, the Knicks are going through their own investigation with Jalen Brunson, and that's still uh, going through the works. The league is still trying to determine what happened. You know, for the Knicks standpoint, it's it's difficult because there's so many ties to Jalen Brunson. You know, Rick Brunson was yeah. Leon Rose's first client. Rick Brunson was then hired prior to Jalen Brunson being uh, a player for the New York Knicks. There's there's just so many connections that it's so hard to say when negotiations even happen or if they even did happen. Right. We, we just, right. Don't know, and there's so many connections. So as a Knicks fan, if the Knicks got penalized for that, it's to me, do you have enough evidence that it was some somewhere outside of like the normal course? Like these guys also have dinner. Like we can't like, you know, <laughs> they see each other like on, on, on a, on a probably regular basis because of their connection. So it's very hard for the Knicks. But I totally understand the frustration with uh, the 76ers losing two second rounders. But I would say it's only two second rounders, but second rounders have now turned to where you can find some pretty good players. So to lose second rounders, it's been tough. But I'm pretty sure the 76ers have enough of uh, second rounders, right, for those two draft class, those two draft classes where it won't be that much of a, a loss. Yeah, the, the, we don't expect these guys, you know, they'd be somewhere in the 50s. I think the Sixers over the last couple of years, they took a guy like Charles Bassey who couldn't – you can't crack Doc's, Doc Rivers' rotation unless you're playing like Tyrese Maxey, basically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So in terms of the cost, it's not huge. I think there's a small part of me that was like, if they really dig deep into this relationship, one of the co-owners had, Michael Rubin with James Harden, you remember he – kind of left he sold his share in the team just before and Woj was like openly saying this can help the Sixers in negotiations with James Mm -hmm. so that was where my hackles went up and I was like "Uh uh-oh what does that mean because you remember like back in the day Minnesota was penalized like four draft picks for for haggling with uh Joe what was his name Joe Smith yes yeah so so like you just didn't want something massive to happen you didn't want to hear like they're losing a lot of stuff so when you hear they're getting this basically slap on the wrist for tucker it's kind of like all right fine why us but at least it's not a big a big deal that's true that's true but you know you guys got tucker you guys got daniel house you know you still have james harden you got joel Embiid. you got max you got all these guys and you just mentioned how the sixers lost today how how are you and the fan base feeling right now about the Sixers' start to the season? You know, we we hear the narratives that there's some concerns. Doc Rivers on the hot seat. We're going to talk about we're going to talk about that in a second. But how do you feel about the 76ers' start uh, overall this season? I mean, it's not great. I feel like it, we've kind of gotten thrown in on like one of those sneaky Friday news dumps that Joel Embiid dealt with plantar fasciitis all summer and was on his couch for two months. So you know how Sixers fans feel about Joe getting hurt. Like, it, we're, we're already scarred. So for, to hear that he's not, 
ready to go. He's not in great shape because he was resting. As the year started, on the same notes that we last left off, he's got the broken orbital bone. He's got a torn thumb. It's tough. So you see them playing these games without him. They did overachieve in a few of those. Like Maxi went berserk, seven of seven from three in like a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the whole, like there's a very, very high injury risk profile with this team. You got to get Joe healthy for the playoffs. You need James Harden to be there too. You need Maxi and you need Tucker. The chances that all of them are good to go, 100% healthy come April, I can't feel great about it. Um, I don't love how they've looked with this coach at any point since he got here. Um, so I'm not feeling like this is the team, but because of the struggles with the Nets, because of the struggles with the Heat, you got to like their chances atop that pecking order ultimately. For sure, for sure. And do you think, do you think this team will gel? Do you think there's going to be moves there? upcoming later in the season. What are your thoughts right now from what you see from the Sixers? Yeah, both. I think they will gel. I think they, obviously they need some time. I'm not sure if you have watched them much, but they are clearly trying a little bit more of a switch everything defense, kind of like Miami plays and a little mm-hmm. bit less of, of the deep drop coverage that Milwaukee plays. Um, so they have Joe chasing a little bit further out on the perimeter. And there are some like massive gaffes where just like, okay, everyone forgot to guard Kuzma and he just drained a wide open three because we literally haven't rehearsed this type of defense much. So that stuff will come with time. It's not going to be an overnight thing. Um, so the gelling, I think, will come. What was the other part of your question in terms of? Do I think they're going to make a move for another player or move some, some players off this team because it, you know, it could be a clunky fit. You may need another player to come in to make it more seamless. Do you think there's another move coming? Do you think there will be a move coming up later in the season? They need to. I mean, the guys that you'd think of on the smaller end are like Korkmaz, Matisse, Steibel. They've already tried chopping those guys. They wanted to send like three or four of them for an Eric Gordon on draft night, remember? Mm-hmm. They wound up getting DeAnthony Melton. Um, so definitely could see a smaller end deal. Uh, Sixers fans want Doc Rivers to play Paul Reed more. Okay. When Joel Embiid sits, but he he loves Trez. You know, he loves Montrez. That goes back to the bubble. They've got their relationship six mm-hmm. men of the year. So maybe Paul Reed gets thrown in there. On the bigger end, if you really wanted to shake it up, finding a way to move Tobias Harris might make some sense. Don't know mm-hmm. what type of return they could get. He does still make $38 million next year. But maybe a team would look at him like an expiring and a half come the trade deadline, you know? I don't know if that would be a rebuilding team with a couple guys to send, maybe better fitting rotation pieces, uh, but that's something to explore for sure. Okay, okay. And, you know, with this team right now, you know the focal points are def- are obviously James Harden and Joel Embiid. And it, did Embiid play tonight? Or no, was he, Embiid so he was, was out. out his second game with non-COVID flu. Okay. So, for, so between last season when – the Sixers traded for James Harden and this season. Do you see that pairing work? Has it shown any promise so far, or does it look like a clunky fit? The fit itself is good. Like, their, their pick and roll is at times unstoppable. The problems come with the stuff we've already talked about with the injury stuff. Like, there's a lot of talk about Harden's burst. We're watching him play now. He has flashed much healthier than he did last season. And so when he's healthy, he's on, like, He's really hard to beat, and that pairing is dynamic. But then 
you know, they're playing him like 38 plus minutes per game. I think mm. coming in tonight's slate, he was fourth in the entire league in minutes played. A lot of that's because they had an extra game or two than other teams. But I don't think that they are, they have the right approach. I think he's more of a guy you want to load manage a little bit at this point to keep him fresh. Uh, in terms of on the court concerns, they both have a, that hero ball tendency. You know, Joe wants to get his ISO post ups, and Harden does love to dribble the air out of the ball. The ball mm-hmm. can stick when you get them both out there. So I'm sure the plus minus, if Daryl Morey was on with us, he'd be like, well, look at this. We're just blowing teams out when they're out there together. But the, the film test, you saw it against Milwaukee Bucks in the second game of the season. The ball can stick. Yep. For sure. Absolutely. So, you know, with that being said, like you have Harden there, you have Embiid there, and prior to Harden even joining the team, you had Tyrese Maxey. Did anything change with, with Maxey, like his, his role on this team and now Harden entering? Because you mentioned, you know, you have Harden who wants to dominate the ball. You have Joel Embiid who needs his touches. And Maxey, from what I saw, you know, I like how he was running the point guard. You know, he was a guy who likes to get downhill. You know, he's a gamer. I like that about him. You know, Knicks fans were looking at him when it came to the draft. Obviously, we got his his running mate from Kentucky, Emmanuel, quickly, who yeah, the fan base also loves too. So do you think there's any, do you think there's a dynamic shift with how Maxi plays the game now? Or do you think there's limited touches because of James Harden? Like what's changed with his role? I think Harden has really helped him. There was that funny mm. tweet from Rob Perez. He was like, you know, Harden's not going to pass the ball to Maxi. Maxi, I'm open. Harden, colon, nothing, you know? So but it's been the opposite. Harden is like leading the league in assists and Maxi thrives with him because it allows him to play on ball when Harden is out, but off ball where he has a little bit less pressure. You can hit him in transition. So I think Harden really helps him. The more interesting thing is that Maxi plays so much better when Embiid's out of the game because those driving lanes really open up for him. Mm. And he clearly takes it upon himself. He, he kind of intuitively knows, okay, if I don't, look to score we're just going to lose tonight because joe's not in the lineup he's not here to get us stops and he's not here to carry us with free throws parade at the line so i think the challenge is getting him going when both harden and Embiid are out there but otherwise in the in the nice as you've seen like he just goes and gets buckets when Embiid sits okay and does he run a lot with like the second unit like when when uh Harden, like when Harden and Embiid sit if they're out at the same time or is it more so just trying to get his with with all of them in there Mostly playing with at least some of the starters. Um, we have seen a little bit more of the experimentation with the stagger. So we did see some maxi and bench guys. Um, but I think he doesn't often get run without either Joe or Harden. But that makes sense because you want one of them, one of Harden or Embiid out there at all times when they're playing. Absolutely, absolutely. No, that, make, that makes sense. That makes sense. So you, we, we've talked about all these guys right now and how they're all still trying to figure it out, how the roles have changed with all of them on the court. But the slow start, you know, it's kind of led to Doc Rivers being on the hot seat, uh, especially with the talent that he has. You have James Harden, you got Joel Embiid. You know, you had a nice offseason. You know, you got Montrez Harrell, P.J. Tucker. We talk about, you know, Daniel House being a solid defender uh, at the wing position. And you still got Tyrese Maxey. Is there a little bit of a feeling right now that Doc has to prove it this year because there's high expectations? I mean, you look around the league, you got the Boston Celtics, you got the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, Brooklyn Nets have been, you you, talk, you mentioned it earlier, they've been fumbling uh, out of the gate. But the Sixers are still considered a team that should be in that upper echelon, you know, top four teams. Is, is Doc's seat getting a little warm at this point or is this like the year that he has to finally do something? 
I hope so. I mean, I, I don't think he was the right hire when they got him. Uh, and I don't think he's been, you know, a top 15 coach in either of his last two playoff runs. If you want to take it further back, I think he's had some tremendous gaffes on the Clippers as well. Um, I just tweeted out, like, what if Joel Embiid called Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard and straight up asked them, do you regret your team not moving on from Doc Rivers a little sooner? Um, so there hasn't been rumblings that his seat is actually hot. I think it's more just heat from the fan base, particularly with the Eagles and Phillies balling out. It's like, mm-hmm. yo, <laughs> Paul Reed was just sparked a nine-point run, and then, you were, <laughs> and then you were seen lecturing him, and he didn't play in the second half, and you couldn't stop the Wizards. So when, when, you, can't, when you can't get stops – and their other team is just running at the rim. And you have a guy who in the first half got some stops and got a block and got out and ran. It's like, how, what did he do that made you think he shouldn't be back in the game, close the game with George Niang, who you and I might be a better combined defensive player than he is at this point. <laughs> so um, he just makes some head-scratching decisions. He did it when Ben Simmons was here. He was playing him stubbornly with Dwight Howard at the same time for like four months. Just really weird things that he believes are good, sees that it's not working, but continues to do it anyway. And that's been a theme of his tenure of the last few years. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, you say all that, and for Knicks fans, they're probably thinking right now, this is what we go through with Tom Thibodeau right now. Mm. You know, we have we have Obi Toppin who could be out there or Emmanuel quickly or any of the young guys who have, you know, a nice run. It's usually and it's been the same story for since last season, too, because last season, you know, after following up with coach of the year and, and helping the Knicks get to the four seed and making the playoffs after eight years of not being in the playoffs. Last season was obviously a down year because there was expectations. They tried to build on top of that. You get Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier. All these guys come in. Kemba Walker doesn't work. Julius Randle regresses for being the most improved second uh, all-team NBA, being an all-star. He regresses. His performance just regresses last season. And then you start seeing all these head-scratching rotations. You see all these, like, there's no real lineup changes. It was really like a hockey rotation for the most part. It's the same five in together and the same five for, for both units, the starting and, and the second unit. And we would see Obi Toppin, even some parts this year so far, we've seen Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly really get into the groove, start to contribute, and then next thing you know, both, both all mm. these guys get a quick hook, and you're like, what just happened here? These guys were going, 
And these were points that then you put in, especially last season, you put in the starters, Julius Randle, all these guys have Fournier, and the next thing you know, and we just had the similar thing tonight, actually. It was just very reminiscent of last season. We'd have a 20-point-some-odd lead in the second quarter. Third quarter would come around. The opposing team works their way back to catch up and then wins the game, which happened tonight against the Atlanta Hawks. And so I feel like you talked about like Doc Rivers making head-scratching decisions and, and reaming out somebody that probably doesn't need that much reaming out, and, and that's <laughs> exactly Tom Thibodeau. And it's not shocking. I mean, they both you know, won a championship together out when they were both with the Boston Celtics and they had the big three out there. That's right. So there's kind of like, you know, they're cut from the same cloth, you know? They are a lot of corollaries there for sure. And if you look at the Sixers' uh, top players' minutes per game right now, he's burning them out the way people complain Tibbs has done over the years. Exactly. And I've been complaining about it on Twitter. Like, you know, why are you treating James Harden 33 coming off two seasons of hammies like he's – you know, Anthony Edwards, I don't get it. Stop doing it. Um, and I think both he and Tibbs also have the rep that they just don't trust young guys, even when the young guys are showing flashes. And this is why we're here, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> this is why we're here. And it's funny enough, we get this matchup on Friday. We get two yeah. stubborn coaches. We get some young guys that we, uh, we want to see play. Actually, it's funny how you say Tyrese Maxey enters a rotation, you know, for a young guy to enter, it's like saved it with a manual quickly. These guys, Kentucky products, both enter very rigid coaches, want rotations, and it's just you like what you see from them. So we got this matchup this Friday. We got the Sixers versus uh, uh, the Knicks, and they're in Philadelphia for this one. How do, you, how do you feel about this game so far facing off the Knicks? Like, let's just, just rip off the Band-Aid. How do you feel right now? Are you feel confident that you could take the Knicks? You're, you're questioning what the Sixers are going to do that night. Well, what are your thoughts? Well, I gotta, I, I have this like cloud hanging over my head and Bede's missed the last two games. So Knicks will be very much live in this game if he's out again. The Sixers have played better than I expected uh, without him. And mm-hmm. that gives me some hope for the minutes where he sits to maybe try some P.J. Tucker at the five. Maybe get Paul Reed going if Doc ever lets us. Maybe Montrez picks it up. Um, because I do think maybe for the first time since Al Horford was around, I don't even want to talk about that, that maybe they have, <laughs> maybe they have a solution for when Embiid sits. That isn't a disaster this season. Um, but if he does play, you got to like the Sixers' chances to get that win. Yeah, Philly. And, yeah, Embiid would be a, a difficult matchup, especially for, for Mitchell Robinson. And I put that as one of the key matchups, you know, for one of them going to this game. If Joel Embiid plays, it's Joel Embiid versus Mitchell Robinson, the battle of the bigs. And we just saw, you know, from the Knicks side, we've seen Mitch go against Giannis Antetokounmpo, Steve Adams, and Jarrett Allen, and he struggled. Now, tonight he had a good night against Clint Capella. But definitely Joe Owen beats a different beast. We're talking about, you know, MVP candidate, top-level player, safety look like Giannis. And even though, obviously, it's more than obvious that Embiid and Giannis have two different play styles, Embiid is just difficult because He's a strong guy who can work his back to the basket. And also he can extend the center away from the paint because he does take some three-pointers. What do you feel about that matchup between Mitch and Embiid? I think over the years, as great as Mitch is, and and Joe has given him props for his length and his timing, Mitch's biggest weakness is Joe's biggest strength, which is drawing sneaky fouls, you know? Mm. So Mitch goes for blocks, and Joe knows it, and he, he gets him on a couple rip-throughs. He lives at the line, and James Harden is no different. When the two of them play the Knicks, it's kind of a free-throw parade because they know 
they know some of these young guys' tendencies and defensive liabilities, so they exploit that. Um, and I expect to see some more of that. You you remember um, your boy Jericho Sims really hurt the Sixers the last time mm-hmm. we played them, and I was so impressed. I was like, how come the Sixers never can find a guy this good this late in the draft that they could actually play? So I, I would give him some run if I were if I were tips. That should be burned in Sixers fans' minds because he he dropped the double double on us like in minutes, short minutes. Absolutely, and you know we've been asking, we've been wondering where Sims is because between Mitch and Isaiah Hartenstein. And we're going to get to the bench units too. You know, between Mitch and Isaiah, they, they both get a lot of fouls. They're between mm-hmm. both of them. They're averaging over three personal fouls per game. So we've been asking for Sims to get out there because if we need a rim protector and we need somebody who can grab some rebounds, that's, you know, Jericho Sims. But we've yet to see Sims get any substantial minutes yet. So hope maybe we'll see what happens. I, 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 We'll see what happens with Mitch. Hopefully Mitch can be on point this game against Joel Embiid, not get into foul trouble. You know, that's that's what we need right now because he is our best rim protector, but let's hope for that. That's you know? tough with Joe these days, man. He's I know. Any, anyone in foul trouble. You, you really have to do it with the way the Bucks and the Heat and the Celtics do it, which is just doubles and triple teams. Because one guy won't do it, but he does get – if you can get the ball out of his hands by doing some fronting and then double and triple – he will miss the read, and then he might settle for a tough shot the times he doesn't make the right read. So you get him to take worse shots, you get him to get a couple turnovers, and then you hit a couple pull-ups in transition. Maybe you run out when he's dri- driven to the hole and fallen, because you know he falls a lot. Got to get out and run on all those. That's the recipe. Do the Knicks have the personnel to do it in Philadelphia? We'll see. But well, that's it depends. Yeah. You, you know, it, it depends, especially when you got good shooting from James Harden. Uh, Tobias Harris is also a good shooter. So, you know, the Knicks Achilles heel right now has been the perimeter defense and guarding top three-point shooting. And I don't, like, between, you know, between James Harden and Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid, do you have that many? Do you, where do the Sixers stand as, three point, as a three-point shooting team? If you get them into the half court, and we saw this against the good teams so far, we saw this against the Heat in the playoffs, Celtics and Bucks to open the season. If you get them into the half court because you have good transition defense, which basically means you're scoring and forcing them to take the ball out of bounds. So you can set up, if you double Joe, he doesn't trust all of his shooters. You don't have to really worry about James Harden because he doesn't love the catch and shoot triples. Mm. You don't have to be terrified of Tobias Harris because he's not an absolute marksman. Uh, you do have to worry about Maxi, and then you don't have to worry as much about P.J. Tucker because it takes very few threes in a game. So if you get them into that half court, then shooting becomes a problem. They go to their bench. You got DeAnthony Melton and Daniel House coming off the bench. They're not marksmen. And if Niang is out there, he absolutely is, but he's a sieve on D. So shooting is, is an issue for the Sixers team. And you talked about perimeter defense on the flip side. The Sixers have had their issues with that, obviously trotting out Maxi lineups with Maxi Harden, and then basically no small forward because they've got Tucker and Harris both playing the four at the same time. So a lot of, a lot of corollaries there. So as a team, you don't have a lot of great shooters, but what's funny is that the 76ers, as of right now, from what I see, is that they're one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league. They're in the top five. So That's Tyrese. Um, He's had a few Clay Thompson games where he just went absolutely nuts. I mean, that'll do it for you. It. Yeah. 
You, do you buy the shot or do you think it's just uh, it's more fluky than it is? Uh, no, I, I, it looks really, really good to me. It looks okay. good. It looks better than it did at Kentucky. It is a little bit low. You know, like you see that release and people talked about this with Emmanuel quickly as well. Can he get that off, off the dribble? But because he's so fast, he's getting it off. Like you have to really respect the drive. For sure. Absolutely. Reminds you of, uh, reminds you of Tony Parker a little bit. You have to play way mm. off him. Otherwise, he'll just blow by you. So has Tobias been playing the power? Because it's so interesting that Doc is running out small small ball. Because how are you gonna? How is that gonna match up against the Knicks? Right? Because we play we're a traditional team between like height, size, and who everyone uh, and the positions everyone plays. Right? So if you're gonna have PJ Tucker out there as your small ball five going against Mitchell Robinson, how's that gonna work? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. It worked really well against the Toronto Raptors. They're known for being a little bit small in the front court. I mean, Siakam is playing unbelievably well, but who's their big then? Is it Precious? Is it Boucher? So it'll be tricky for them to try that with such a good lob threat like Mitchell. But I I do expect Joel to be out there. I mean, he's playing with a non-COVID flu, missing two games. I guess I would bet on him, him being in the lineup. Uh, maybe they will check his minutes. Maybe they'll try to keep him at 34 or less uh, and trot out some more of that small ball stuff. If, if the Sixers can get stops and they can get the ball to Maxi in transition, then that's going to be a lot of trouble for the Knicks. <clears throat> the Knicks are, you know, one of the top teams when it comes to driving into the paint and trying to score in the paint. Our three-point shooting has been up and down. It has not been consistent. So, you know, for the Sixers, you know, the, the game plan would be stop, the, force them to shoot the three and stop them from getting into the paint. Because when they get comfortable in the paint, everything goes the way the Knicks want to do it. They do a lot there, you know, between Mitchell Robinson being a lob threat, Julius Randle liking to work, liking his 15 to close range. You have RJ who likes to get downhill as well. Even though he does take some threes and he's starting to find that jumper, it's starting to come along slowly but surely. He'll be, he'll be going back and forth between hitting a three or trying to get downhill. And then Jalen Brunson, that's a three-level score. And that's the other matchup, I guess would be Tyrese Maxey and Jalen Brunson. And I think that would be a really good matchup. Maxey's fast. You know, he's a very fast guard. He likes to get downhill. You talk about his shooting, he's gotten better. But I think it would, I think that would be more of a fair matchup because they're not exactly the same playing style. Brunson's a little bit more methodical. That's the word I was going to use. They're, and, pretty, they're pretty different in that, Maxey's like a blur. Jalen's comfortable bouncing the ball, like, in the paint amongst swarms of arms like three or four times and he's just mm-hmm. completely got his poise whereas Maxi just kind of bull rushes. Yeah, and I think that's going to be an interesting matchup, you know. Obviously, you're going to have your, you know, it's 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 the front court, you know, between your bigs who's going to help support that, but I think that's going to be a fun matchup to see how that chess match plays because they're going to be guarding each other. You know, with with Brunson's height and Maxi's height, it's similar enough. I don't think you're going to want Brunson on Harden. I don't think Anyone else that you're going to have out there, you're going to want Brunson on. So that's the matchup that I'm going to be tuning in for. I think it's going to be a good one, both offensively and defensively. And then getting to the second unit, man, you know, Knicks have been known to have a good second unit. Uh, The next second unit loves to get out in transition. They love to move fast. They love to move in space, uh, space and uh, pace and space, all that stuff. How's the Sixers second unit been looking this season? I think we, we came in the first couple of games and it was just absolute trash. And then when Joel Embiid missed time, they, they all picked it up. So we started getting good performances from DeAnthony Melton, who was playing better every night, more comfortable looking every night. 
really, really capable two-way player getting stops and then draining threes or finishing at the cup if you run him too hard off the line. But he's got a back injury now, so I actually wouldn't expect him to play against the Knicks. And he's mm-hmm. one of the key bench pieces. Niang's been playing a lot, but that, that worries me, man, because he's one of the guys that Doc Rivers personally recruited to the team, I believe, like Montrez, where it's like, all right, this is, an extra, this is a regular season innings eater for you. But players in the league know that Niang doesn't get a whistle. You really just go into him, initiate contact. He's going to fall or flail, and you're going to get the call, and it's free throw. So Tibbs should tell everyone on the Knicks, gun for Niang if you see him out there. The same right now for Daniel House. He's not getting calls. I don't know whatever it is. Maybe he's on some list. Maybe he offended an official. Um, Anytime there's contact, the call is not working in House's favor. So definitely target those two. Yeah, all we need is Scott Foster ref in this game, and then yeah. that'll, that'll make it all all the more interesting. How, what? So, what has happened to Shake Milton? Is he is he still in the, part of this rotation, or is he like starting to fall out? He is still part of the rotation. It's actually, I don't really understand it. I I kind of started on this path last year where I was like, play Isaiah Joe, who who just rained buckets for Oklahoma because they let him go. I think Shake's kind of a, a jack-of-all-trades. Like He's got some handle. He can finish. He can shoot. He can play defense. That overall well-roundedness mm-hmm. has bought him favor with Doc. You remember when Doc was still with the Clippers, Shake one time dropped like 38 points on him, and I think that is forever etched in Doc's mind. <laughs> so he keeps playing Shake, even though I think that there's often a better case to be made for playing the specialist. If it was Joe, who's not here, was never in the lineup, if that's Matisse Steibel, that's kind of how I would do it. I think when you've got James Harden on a team, and we've seen this, Mike D'Antoni proved that you don't need any other ball handlers ever when James is out there. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you got to get Tobias and pick and rolls, that you need shake out there as a secondary ball handler and minutes Joel's not in and Harden is, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe in it. I'm not sure that Shake should be part of this rotation. Obviously, it's fine tonight because you have no Embiid and no Melton. But um, moving forward, I think that he should have some competition for those minutes. Okay. You know, I, I have faith in the Knicks' second unit getting it going against the Sixers. I'm not, you know, <clears throat> I think the Knicks' second unit has that versatility between defense and scoring and more so on the scoring side. Uh, they got the they got the length, especially now with Cam Reddish in the rotation. Yeah, although we did see athletic. some, we, although we did see Quentin Grimes get back on the court today, so that'll be interesting if he's going to get some minutes against the, the Sixers this Friday. But with Cam Reddish, who's just the word that we use around Knicks fan TV is tantalizing because the things that he can do for a six eight guy is just very impressive, very smooth the way he can get to the basket. You talking handles, about Cam? Yeah, Cam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. And, Pretty solid. It's just the consistency when it comes to Cam. Uh, Obi Toppin, you know, a guy that loves to move out in space. He's, his jumper starting to come around too. Very efficient, you know. Rebounding is where I need to see Obi just get better, but it's coming along. I like, I like what Obi's showing. It's just an efficient and effective player, man. Every time he gets out on the court, he just gets an easy four out of seven. And you're like, all right, look at that. And it just makes the game look so easy. And I think that's because he knows how to move with out the basketball, which he's done over at Dayton. And then you have a man quickly who, once he gets into rhythm shooting, just a difficult guy to stop. And Derek Rose is just, you know, he's really, he's really changed his game from being that, obviously that explosive guy that we used to remember in Chicago, now being that true 
facilitator and knowing when to attack defenses and just getting into the teeth of the defense to make something happen. And then Hartenstein, it's it's nice to have a change of pace for a center that can create some offense and bring out the center like further from the rim, unlike Mitch or even Jericho Sims. So I like how the second unit plays. It's definitely going to be, <laughs> it's obviously the starters for the Knicks and trying to keep up with James Harden and if Joel is healthy and Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey, that is the match. Those key matchups are the ones that we got to look out for. I think the Knicks' second unit is actually going to be pretty, pretty solid against the Sixers. Yeah, um, they can't underestimate that that group because they can play fast. Yeah, for sure. And they were one of the like I think it was last season. They were one of the more I think they were top ten efficient groups with with even with Nerlens no well Taj Gibson I should say because Nerlens didn't play last year really that much. But with Taj Gibson in there instead of Isaiah Hartenstein, they were one of the more efficient uh, lineups in the NBA. So. Yeah, well, being quick came out and teams were worried about it. Yeah, and I, I still think that holds true to today. Today, um, yeah. it's gonna be a good matchup, man. It's gonna be a good matchup. So, I'm looking forward to this matchup. Uh, even though the Knicks, unfortunately, uh, gave us some old feelings from last season, but before I let you go, uh, Dave, let's get a score prediction over here. What do you think the What do you think this final score is between the Knicks and the Sixers will be? Oh, I'll say Sixers one thirteen. Knicks 105. 105. Okay, I'm going to go. And then NBA's been pretty high scoring this season, which has been pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, I, haven't, I didn't check that. I didn't do any math. So, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Uh, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, I'm going to go Knicks 106, Sixers 101. I think it's going to be a tight matchup. I think the defense, uh, Tim's going to figure out this defense and get it going. If Grimes is there, if Grimes can be in that starting rotation outside of Fournier, I think that helps the helps the case more so. But Dave, if I appreciate... The, if that's true, if the Knicks win by five and hold the Sixers to one-on-one, you're going to hear a lot of boos for the home team. Hey, Amen. And if the, if the Knicks lose, you're going to hear a lot of boos when they're on the way back home for Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> so between Doc and Tibbs, someone's getting booed. Someone's yeah. getting some bad tweets on Twitter. It's all good, man. It's all good. That's how both these fan bases rock. Two fa- Two passionate fan bases. Um, but Dave, thank you so much for, for coming through, man. Really appreciate it. Please let uh, the listeners know where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me at David Early on Twitter. And my work is at Liberty Ballers. Awesome, Dave. Thank you so much. And thank you, Knicks Nation, for tuning in for this Knicks at 76ers preview game of the week matchup. Make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys. Make sure to subscribe. Make sure to hit that notification bell. That way you know when a new show, new post-game live weekly, whenever we drop, make sure to hit that notification bell. And look, if you can't listen to us live or watch these on YouTube, you can also find these podcasts on all audio listening platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, Alexa, Stitcher, you name it. You can find them everywhere, all right? Thank you, Knicks Nation, all right? We'll catch you later, and let's go Knicks.